Do you want an amazing marriage? Are you ready to take your marriage to the next level? Then stick around for your Marriage Matters podcast with Marriage Coach Lynn. Let's put some fun and sizzle into your relationship. Hi, I have to include one of my favorite authors in this series on Catholic resources that inspire lifelong love and marriage, Fulton Sheen. Three to Get Married was written in 1951, but is timeless as is much of his speaking and writing. Fulton Sheen had a weekly TV show called Life is Worth Living from 1951 to 1957, where 30 million viewers tuned in each week. That was a huge number of people for that time period. In Three to Get Married, Sheen addresses the longings in our hearts the imperfections of relationships, the relationship between man and God, and husband and wife. As you might have guessed in the title, it takes a husband, wife, and God to make a marriage profound and meaningful. If we neglect or ignore God, we are left to our own devices and might fall into difficulties without God. The book contains 21 chapters, and each chapter is packed with wisdom and insight you'll want to do some underlining in this book and digest it slowly. Over a few weeks or months, it makes great reading during the engagement period or marriage preparation. A couple could read this book together before getting married. He starts out by talking about the differences between sex and love. He describes what love is. He talks about reverence for the mystery of purity and love. This book is a breath of fresh air and shows the unique differences men and women bring to a relationship. As you read it, you will see and feel the respect for the sexes. Sex and love are not cheap, as often portrayed in our culture, but instead are profound aspects of human life. Sheen talks about the unbreakable bond and sets aside a few chapters on fatherhood and motherhood. I like how he described various stages of marriage and what couples are likely to encounter. I will share a few passages and quotes of some of his beautiful words. Sheen says that love craves unity and that we are seeking the infinite or God. From page 66, quote, love is at first dual, then triune. Duality or two in love is the consolation that God has provided for our finitude. It is not well that man should be without companionship. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 but perfect love is triune either in the sense that it appeals to our love as something from outside both coming from God or is the fruit of our love which is the child whose spirit or soul has come from God love that is only giving ends in exhaustion love that is only seeking perishes in its selfishness Love that is ever seeking to give and is ever defeated in receiving is the shadow of the Trinity on earth and therefore a foretaste of heaven. Father, mother, child, three persons in the unity of human nature. Such is the triune law of love in heaven and on earth. Quote, no one can love without being born of God and knowing God. First letter of John, chapter 4, verse 7. Love is an eternal mutual self-gift. The recovery in the flesh or in the soul 
or in heaven of all that was given and surrendered in love no fragment is lost end quote although sheen talks about children as evidence of a fruitful marriage the book is not intended to judge or alienate couples who don't go on to have children he talks about an ever enchanting romance in marriage and describes four distinct mysteries that are progressively revealed to partners. First, there is the mystery of the other partner, which he refers to as body mystery. When that mystery is solved and the first child comes along, a husband and wife see in each other something new, the mystery of motherhood and fatherhood. When more children come along and as they reach the age of reason, a third mystery unfolds and that is fathercraft and mothercraft. This involves the raising of young hearts and minds. Some might call this training and disciplining or guidance and facilitating. What happens is that the parents are like sculptors as they raise young children to enter humanity and be productive adults. Sheen says parents are carving living stones and fitting them together in the temple of God whose architect is love. The fourth mystery of marriage is the contribution to the well-being of the nation. Some might call this leaving a legacy. This is the stage where just by being who you are, you are an intrinsic gift of God and worthy. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters that you are a part of your community or family. It is about the state existing for the person, not the person for the state. Status, position, wealth, and accomplishment don't matter. Did you live a life that God would be pleased with? Were you kind to others and lived a virtuous life? Sheen talks about love never growing old and that for many couples, when the autumn of life comes, they love each other more now than ever before. There is an ascension through deeper faith. I'd like to read a passage from chapter 10, Marriage and the Spirit. This passage reminds us to not let the ego or selfishness take over. Quote, there is no solitude worse than the solitude of the one who is bound to live a dual life or of those whose epidermal unities drive them back to themselves in greater loneliness than before. But God intends that there should be a growing together. What started as a passion of love becomes an act of love and then a habit of love. The body of each moves the soul of each. Then the soul of each moves the body of each. And finally, at the height of mutual togetherness, God moves the body and soul of each to himself and therefore closer to each other. The growth they know, even if God has not blessed them with children, is a growth in God. A marriage need not have children to be a divinely blessed marriage, for children depend on the will of God, cooperating with husband and wife." End quote. Chapter 11 is titled, The Great Mystery. Sheen proposes the idea that children have a right to having a mother and father and that the home functions as an important place in society. Quote, once a citizenry does not feel bound to the most natural and democratic of all self-governing commonwealths, the home, 
It will not be long until it ceases to feel bound to a nation, end quote. In the family, we learn what it is like to function in a society, and that's one reason I like large families. There are many personalities and dynamics to deal with. Quote, only a nation that recognizes sweat, toil, hardship, and sacrifice as normal aspects of life can save itself, and these virtues are first learned in the home. The family is the training school and the novitiate for democracy. Free and promiscuous marital relationships are the training ground for treating humans first flippantly, then cruelly. The most stable youths, from a moral point of view, come from those families where the creative instinct is inseparable from an unbroken and perpetuating love." End quote. Chapter 12, The Unbreakable Bond. Quote, what is called love today is often nothing more than a confused mixture of sentimental pathos, disguised egotism, Freudian complexes, frustrated living, and weakness of character. The basis of unity is the fact that in this bond two persons are joined together so as to become one flesh. Since it is unheard of that a man should bear ill will to his own flesh and blood, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 29, the symbolic primacy of the husband in ruling will never be detached from the primacy of love where the woman is queen, end quote. He goes on to say, quote, all love is humble, but when love leaves, equality in the strict sense takes its place. In the happy home, there is no such thing as saying, this is my chair, this is yours. But when love leaves, then comes the lawyer, the division of property, and an equality that kills all love. Genuine love excludes all servility, but includes a surrender to the other of the peculiar advantages of each." End quote. I really like these quotes. Quote, Marriage brings into play not two biological functions, but two personalities." End quote. And, quote, fidelity is an engagement with the future. When the future is eternity, and when the soul knows that it cannot be saved unless it is faithful to the spouse, it remains faithful even when faced with infidelity. As God's love is never withdrawn, so the fleshly counterpart of that love is also incorruptible in its unity. He who changes love would also change the love of Christ and his church. The indifferent or broad-minded, in the false sense of the term, who deny truth in the order of knowledge, are like the promiscuous and the unfaithful in the order of love. Fidelity is strength. For it is unity in plurality. Such fidelity is not discovered. It is made. End quote. Did you get that? We work on being faithful. We decide it. We renew our efforts for mutual understanding and love so that our body, mind, and soul are united with each other and with God. There are so many good chapters in this book. But we are running out of time, and I want to conclude saying that we marry for better or for worse. 
Instead of separating when there are difficulties and trials, the Christian solution is to bear the other as a cross for the sake of his sanctification. The wife can redeem the husband and the husband the wife. Most marriages fail not because of infidelity or because of the refusal to make sacrifices when needed or through expecting the other party will always enter into one other's into one's moods with reciprocity and simultaneity, end quote. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a deep book and a good one to start off a marriage. I recommend it as a gift to engaged couples. Join me next week for a discussion of the book, The Choice Wine, Seven Steps to a Super Abundant Marriage by Steve Bowman. Until next time, make your marriage great.